More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. Gonna tell it like it really is We know Haney doesn't give a shh Silencing critics, eliminate misses Two chips never accept on shoulders to get better Everybody knows the name, read about it We're golf teachers, hall of fame, never doubt it It's time for the truth, here's our dude You're listening to Haney You're listening to Haney You're listening to Haney it's time for the truth, here's our dude. You're listening to Haney. Yeah. Listening to Haney. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast. Hank Haney with you today, along with a special guest, my friend Matt Rudy. Matt is a senior writer with Golf Digest, and you can follow him on Golf Digest and golfdigest.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Rudy Writer. And speaking about uh, being a writer, Matt has authored or co-authored over 20, I think it's like almost 25 books maybe that he's he's co-authored. Actually, his latest one that he did was with me. And it's a brand new book. It's called How to Play Better Golf Today, Lessons of a Lifetime with Hank Haney, written with Matt Rudy. So uh, make sure you check that out. It's available on Amazon.com. But with Matt today, we're going to talk about a, a few different topics. I always enjoy getting his opinion. One of the great minds in golf, uh, both uh, PGA Tour-wise, just uh, his instincts and uh, opinions on the world of golf are always great. So I can't wait to talk to Matt Rudy. So Matt, how you doing, my friend? You everything <laughs> all right? You hanging in there? Coronavirus? Uh, your family Okay. Yeah, everybody's good. There's a lot of togetherness, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Our Golf Digest main office is in World Trade Center, and that's been shut down. I live about an hour outside New York City and and, um, in Connecticut, and we're just kind of hanging out here at at home, and the kids are off school, and um, so I'm, I'm writing my stuff here from my office at home, and my wife and I are splitting up the the pretend kid school stuff and so far so good but ask me again a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now yeah it's gonna be a while isn't it it's gonna be a while and and i think it's a it's a combination of things it's the actual risk of what's going on with the virus and and also the the uncertainty people just don't know i mean this is this kind of stuff hasn't happened before and nobody knows what this you know what the end game is for the the virus stuff and um i just i i just i i'm I'm really afraid for the effect that it's going to have on people's you know not not so much their i mean obviously their lives you mean your your health sure but yeah but the but but the business framework that we all operate under i think there's going to be big 
changes. And I think some of them are going to be terrible. And I'm optimistic that some of them will hopefully be good. But it, uh, I think there's a lot of change coming. What do you What do you think? What, what like uh, business wise? What do you think is going to change? Well, I think there are, there are industries that have been dying a slow death. Uh, you know, and malls. You know, like a big shopping mall. Right. And and they've been dying a slow death. And this big shock to the system, it, it could change for for good the habits certain people have about shopping for stuff. And and we might not see that kind of stuff come back. I mean, the cruise. You know, the cruise business. I think the the cruise business is predominantly older people, and if the you know they can't seem to get their act together with some of the things that have been going on even before this you know where you know people are getting sick and things like that and if and if for example the cruise business doesn't get a a buyout or a bailout like some of the other businesses do how how practical is it that that business comes back you know the the way it you know the way it's currently constructed and then i also think fundamentally the way people consume sports is at least going to adjust you know, we're, we're we're looking at certainly at least until the end of May before there are widespread live sports. And then when it does come back, just think of all the things, if it comes back the way we hope and there are all these events going on, you know, jam packed week to week. And um, I, I think the the way we've been consuming information on our screens and, and, and kind of, you know, been cooped up this way. I think the, the way, the way people interact with sports and the way they interact with, professional athletes is I think it's just accelerating some of the trends you and I've been talking about uh, whether it's on the radio or on podcasts for 10 years or 15 years. I, I think the, the, the more you can connect directly with the people out there who are, you know, enjoying your sport, enjoying your game. Um, I think the, the, the more resilient you are in terms of coming back after this. And, and I, I use the NBA as a great example. They're, they're leaders. And, and, and what they decide to do and their leaders and how they interact with, you know, the, how the league interacts with the players and the, and their leaders and how the players interact with the fans. And um, I hope some of those lessons are lessons that the, the whole golf community can kind of learn from. You know, you, you bring up good points. Cause I mean, I, 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 you know, cooped up to and hanging out with the family and, and the whole thing, which, you know, it's, it's, this is just beginning. But mm-hmm. I'm not like clamoring to go to the mall. That's for sure. I mean, I, I can't. You yeah. know, when when uh, things do change, I, I don't. I don't think that's like the first place I'm I'm going to. And um, you know, I mean, I, I hadn't hadn't necessarily thought about that, but I, I think that for sure things are going to change. A lot of people are probably going to get used to working from home, aren't they? How, how's sure. How's oh, working yeah. from home for you? Well, I'm, I I I do a lot of working from home just in general. I mean, I I. I can isolate myself to write the big pieces I do for golf digester to produce the video series and things like, you know, the books that I write, you know, the ones that we do and I do and the ones that I do with other coaches. I mean, that's all, you know, me burying myself in my home office anyway. So my, my adaptation isn't, isn't very difficult, but I think what a lot of organizations are discovering is that a lot of this is the way of the future because it, it requires them to, to carry around far less physical plant. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to have a huge building and, and, um, and you're asking a lot of your people to be resilient enough and committed enough to do this. And it certainly isn't for everyone. Um, I think that's a, that's a huge change that's coming. I think the whole world of club private clubs, it has to be, uh, it has to adapt and change. I just think of the place where we belong here in Connecticut. And when you think of the money people pay, I mean, you've been in clubs your whole life, you know, I mean, the, 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 the dues that people are paying and the, the lack of interaction these clubs are going to have certainly into May and June, I think it's going to create a big problem for a band of clubs that are either in the mid tier in terms of what they offer compared to other places or have been on shaky ground financially. I just don't know how places like that thrive over, you know, two, three, four, five months of uncertainty when people are being actively encouraged not to go out and not to spend time with other people. Yeah. I I can't imagine it's going to be that long. I mean, I just, I, I don't understand how we could even survive if it was that long. I mean, as an economy. 
Well, I, I don't know anyone could could think that this isn't has not already kicked a huge hole right. in the economy. You know, I've I've talked to some coaches. I mean, I I'm I'm on the phone all day every day with different coaches working on different stories and and the revenue that a lot of coaches I've talked to have lost just in the first 15 days of March, just as a microcosm of what's going on out in the world, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a waiter oh, or, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to be in a, you know, some kind of business, you know, some of our best friends here where we live, one, you know, one guy is a plastic surgeon and, and you would think that he's immune to this kind of thing, but that's that's shut down and another one of them yeah well they a, shut a, down all elective surgeries right sure and and another one they run a really cool um uh, a, a sports development practice that's helped me I, i've lost you know 60 pounds working with the trainers there i was going to ask you place. on that how you do you stay you're still yeah. coming down huh you know they they've really helped me and and they're shut down so you know just places like that where they have even where they have expertise in a thriving business, you know, the, the, and those are just anecdotal stories and it's going to be the case in every town. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time and, and I'm trying to be optimistic about it because I think, um, you know, the money's, the money is in the system and it's going to have to be spent somewhere. I think we're just going through a wrenching readjust about where it's going to, you know, where the ideas are going to come from. And and it really is an opportunity for habits to change, and I think that's a that's a interesting, cool part of it. And I think it, hopefully it's going to create some different kind of linkages between people where they they get gain more appreciation for what they lose when they don't have face to face time with the people they love and, and their friends. You know, there's always so much face time. You know, you're you're texting people. You're you know you're you're kind of living your life with your head down, but this this gives you the opportunity to kind of see what's missing when you don't have that face to face that opportunity. We went and played paddle tennis here 90 minutes ago with some of our friends, and it was funny because my wife and I were on one side of the court, and the other people were on the other side of the court, and we were doing our social distancing, yeah, but yeah. you know, kind of within the same enclosure, and just how you know the excitement that you have to to actually see people live after you know, what is it, you know, a week of, of being isolated. I hope that feeling gets reinforced as this starts to alleviate and we don't take some of that stuff for granted. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. What What do you think about the, the whole, uh, golf playing golf and the, 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 um, question of, you know, should golf courses be open or, you know, a lot of the clubs are, I mean, they're all closing down the restaurants. That's that's pretty much a, a given, you know, any groups of more than 10. But golf course, you can go out there. I mean, you can just bring your own clubs, carry your, your bag. Uh, mm -hmm. You can, you know, you play with a group. Okay, if you play the whole, or you can play by yourself, I mean, or with a group of, of right. three other people. I mean, it's only it's only four people. Uh, leave the pin in, don't touch the pin. I saw the this one golf course, uh, I think it was Ridgewood in New Jersey. They, they put the uh, cup up. An, yep. an inch above the the uh, ground is that a, like a recommendation or something? That if you, you putt and you, if you hit the cup, it, they count it as as a whole yeah. putt. That way, you don't have to get reach in. Everybody doesn't reach in the cup yep. and get yep. the ball out. You know, and, and this, this goes to what we were talking about at the start of this conversation, which is the reason this is so difficult is the is the uncertainty. Nobody knows ultimately what this virus is going to do. Nobody knows ultimately. You know, if it, is it is it going to come back around? Is it? There's just not information, and I think you know we've become accustomed to a lot of the other risks that we have in life. And when you can identify what the risks are, you can kind of bake them into your everyday decision. You you know you you know in the abstract that people get killed in car accidents every day, and you decide for yourself that the risk you know, that that r extremely minor risk is worth it. And you get in your car and you put your kids in your car and you and you go do your thing. This is just this is a big unknown. And frankly, a big part of the of the uncertainty and the fear comes from seeing so many people around you do things that you would never consider doing yourself. You know, when you see these these videos of all these people partying on the beach in Florida oh, and you geez. see Yeah, and you see people that just are are or they come on and they talk about how it's all a scam and it's not real. 
and, and it, that that's so counter to what the the facts are and, and the reality of people dying and it, it, it that creates its own set of um uncertainty because you can't be convinced that the people around you are as being as careful about it as you and that's you know that's really scary yeah and uh and and I think those things are as damaging to golf, for example, as, as anything else, because you can't you can't sort of tabulate or allocate what the risk is. Personally, I think getting outside in the sun and 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 walking around, uh, I think there's minimal risk in comparison to other things that you pretty much have to do. For example, I'm going to go have some minor ankle surgery tomorrow, and I have to go to CVS and pick up a prescription ahead of that. And you can do the drive-through, but there's still somebody hang, handing a bag to you that's got, you know, a prescription in it. And and there are these interactions. Or if you get a box from Amazon delivered to you, somebody handled those boxes, and that you know, could there be something on the boxes? Sure. I don't think there's a way to be completely isolated from from risk. It's just deciding where the risk is. And um, I think walking around outside in the sunshine is is a healthy thing for people to do provided they aren't hugging on the first tee and you know licking each other's uh equipment you know all the all you know you can be reasonable with the risk um but it doesn't address the fundamental issues about club club golf or you know a high-end daily fee course at your town or the municipal course in your town which is the majority of the revenue comes from you know drinking beers and eating hot dogs and you know spending money at the golf course in addition to the green fee yeah, and riding carts and, and yeah, if that yeah. stuff doesn't come back, then it you know it's just you know it actually creates a, a whipsaw problem because you have all kinds of traffic on the golf course where the course has to be maintained by workers and things like that. But there isn't any of the attendant secondary revenue that comes with that. It's a difficult you know that's that's a difficult place to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I you know I I just think that the playing golf thing. I hope I hope that doesn't. Uh, go away in the short term because it just it's, it seems like the, the risk is very minimal and like you said i mean he, 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 boy it's nice to be able to do something and people can get outside well, and get to. some fresh yeah, air and to. exercise i mean we just can't every the whole world just can't or the you know well, it's the whole world i mean they just can't sit in their house for six weeks yeah i think you i mean you have to make some decisions at some point and if you're if you're asking me are the decisions different for a 30 year old person with little kids who are healthy or a 40 year old person with little kids who are healthy than someone who's 82 and has some other health problem. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously it's like anything else. You have to, you have to base those on your situation and you can't be an idiot that, that just disregards the world around you. Right. Um, and, and I mean, to be honest, that's, that's the struggle to, I'm 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 in the media. You know, I'm someone who works in the media, and I pay attention to all media. I pay attention to the news, and and I watch as much Fox News as I do CNN. And I watch, you know, I I try to be in tune with everything that's being talked about on TV and what's talked about in the papers, and so I can have a uh, an intelligent conversation with anyone who might show up. And that you know that that's part of the difficulty with all this is that you know, I think things are so political and so partisan now that you have you have you have a hard time whatever side you're on you know understanding and trusting what you're hearing and and that is really difficult and it's and and even if you take politics out of it in the world of sports that's difficult and all the chatter for example with tournaments getting postponed and and the uncertainty about if they're going to be rescheduled and what's going to happen and when are we going to play? Nobody knows anything. And so all these, all these things are up in the air, which just leads to stress for everybody. It leads to stress from sponsors and from players and fans and, and no one knows what's going to happen. And I, and, um, and I think decisiveness is better than uncertainty, but unfortunately I don't know that we're in a super decisive part of the, you know, part of the calendar right now i just don't think that's something that's available i mean to talk to think about the olympics yeah can you yeah. imagine can you imagine being an olympic athlete preparing good point to to, to do your thing and get on an airplane and fly to asia and <laughs> I, I mean the that that is that is a, a a fascinating turn of events and uh just like it's a fascinating turn of events to be a tour player who's for example let's say you won your first event this year and all of a sudden you get into these big events, these majors, 
And if they don't have any of them, what happens to you next year? <laughs> <laughs> Is it just tough luck? Yeah, I mean, bad like, luck. Bad. Sorry. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, right. I, mean, I, I don't think people are talking about the fact that if you're a, a mid-range LPGA player, for example, you, you might be one of the 50 best people on the planet at what you're doing. And you you are running the very real risk of running out of money. Uh, you know, the... the, the you know, the, the the dollars that come from tournament victories and the dollars that come from a lot of the sponsorship deals. And, you know, the, this is an interesting place to, to be in where you're looking at potentially through May and June, no, you know, no tournament revenue, no one day outings, no, you know, no nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I mean, how, how do you practice? How do you, how do you stay sharp? It, it, this is a this is an existential threat to a professional athlete that doesn't operate under a guaranteed contract kind of a team system. You know, it's it's a this is new territory for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, every I mean, it, you know, all these equipment companies. I mean, that's a you know, you look at I've, I've looked at Callaway Golf, and I mean, their stock price. Oh my goodness. It went up, you know, yesterday, but but uh, it was it's it's you know like cut in half and. I mean, you know, they're one of the two, you know, two biggest, them and Titleist and Cushion. I mean, they're the two biggest companies. And I mean, I just mm -hmm. can't imagine when their stock price gets in half, they think, hey, let's uh, let's double our sponsorship dollars. I mean, that's not likely to be the the outcome. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be a different world, like you said, when when we uh, we come out of that. Uh, let's uh, let's take a little break. We'll hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Matt Rudy on the Hank Any podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Junie. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? look like my baggage i mean i know oh, okay that's mine let's unpack that listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts
All right, so Matt, let you know we, we don't know what's going to happen on these golf tournaments, but let's let's do a little uh, speculating here. And I'm always interested in in your mm-hmm. ideas, what you uh, think is going to happen. I, now I've been talking about this. I talked about this uh, the other day, and the Masters. Yeah, I mean, there's a limited time that they can play in terms of the condition of the golf course. And it's it because it's a, it's a winter golf course. It's got winter grass on it. They can't play in the summer. That's not even an option. There's pictures floating around on Twitter. You can you know see satellite pictures of what that golf course looks like in the summer, and it's not pretty. So they're not going to present that kind of a a product. That there's no chance that's going to happen. So so really, it's middle of October through middle of November, and you know if they're going to play th- this year. Um, you, what you think it's going to happen? There's rumors that that you know, that kind of the, the Augusta community has already has dates in mind that they are kind of holding hotel rooms, and somehow it's. I, I thought they might play in November because there was an open date on the on the tour schedule, but it, th- that uh, and that date would have been like November, I think, twelfth through fifteenth, but. Uh, the people are talking about like October fifth through eleventh, but but it, it, either way, I mean I, they're going to play the Masters this year, don't you think? Well, I have there's I think there are two pieces of information that tell me they're going to play the Masters, and the first piece of information is no no plot of land on this planet is better under control than that one in terms of what they can do with agronomy, in terms of what they can do getting people in and out. I mean, that place is more under control than the White House is. And um, <laughs> if they decided right now that they're going to have it, whatever, pick a date, they would do what it, they needed to do to get the golf course looking the way they wanted. They would just allocate the resources and the staff and the technology to do it the way they wanted to. And um, there isn't any other place in golf that has that kind of control over the venue. I mean, it, it, it's a, a 250-acre golf course with sub air under every square inch of the entire property. I mean, they, they, I mean, they can they can do what they want. Um, I think the other part of it that's telling is the the fact that the all of the organizing bodies have been getting together to kind of parse out what this is going to look like. Uh, you know, the PGA and the RNA and the and the Masters folks and the USGA there and the tour they're all chatting about what what needs to happen. And um, I think there are a lot of things on the table. And this is just my speculation. It's not like I know anything secret or anything like that. But, but it isn't hard to imagine a scenario where the, the outcome, you know, the, the, the FedEx Cup, for example, takes a different form this year than it might otherwise take. Because if we're not going to have tour events, for example, until June, how exactly are you going to create a FedEx Cup playoff that's the same as the one that they would normally have? And I mean, what do you do then if there's no Olympics? I mean, there's a, there's a whole different scenario at play here, and maybe this becomes some kind of compromise finish of the season where the majors, you know, you play the Open Championship at the time it's supposed to be played, and then the other ones slot in after that with some truncated version of a FedEx Cup after that because because there are more open weeks in the schedule than you might otherwise think and that also brings into play the Ryder cup and if there isn't any qualification process this year because there aren't any, aren't any events then something would have to change and does that mean you move the Ryder cup to next year that seems to me like the most logical thing to do which is you know push it and get it back kind of into the regular rotation and that brings up then what do you do with the president's cup and there there are all all these pieces that have to get reorganized and put back into place and um that's a that's a difficult wrenching thing but i what it also does is i think we're in we're in the territory now where there's no idea that's off the table and if you're gonna get crushed financially anyway you might as well start coming up with ideas that are the most interesting and the best because the financial you know, devastation is already there. You just, you know, you can, you're almost, you're almost liberated to make decisions that make sense because you're not so wedded to the financial outcome. I mean, look at the NCAA. I mean, they canceled the, the, yeah. the a billion dollar tournament. I mean, that, that's a, there, there's no more stark reminder that, that this is bigger than sports than, 
you know, giving up a billion dollars in revenue because that was the right thing to do. Well, I mean, how feasible do you think it is that the PGA Tour would just like, you know, bump people like off the schedule? I mean, like you've got the fall tournaments and the, you know, the wraparound deal. And those mm-hmm. are the ones that seemingly would would feel it the least. I mean, they, they don't get great fields to begin with. They get a few few good players, but not, you know, that many. Although you could probably say that about almost every tour event this year, uh, except for the and you know WGC so far. I mean, it's it and and uh, Tory Pines, the Farmers. Other mm-hmm. than that, it's been pretty slim pickings. But the tour is just gonna like you know they've canceled events. They've canceled events all the way up until the PGA. You know, Byron Nelson, the Valspar, everything, everything canceled. Valero Texas Open, uh, PGA postponed. Now you know they're gonna just like pick certain tournaments or just the majors and they're going to just bump somebody off the schedule even when the it starts up again. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see how they can do that. I mean, I don't know the answer to bumping, but I do know that if the masters folks simply decided that they were going to do it <laughs> in the week, in the week that they decided to do it. Yeah. Is it, I mean, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> well, you're not going to be able to do anything, but, but I don't, I don't think they want to piss off everybody. Do they? I mean, no, I don't think they want to piss off everybody, but I think they have their own, they have their own program that they're trying to accomplish. And I mean, it, it isn't hard to imagine the scenario where everybody's sitting in a room trying to hash it out. And if it gets to be prickly, <laughs> somebody just goes, you know what, here's what we're going to do. And if you guys want to help, you guys want to work it out around it? Well, great. And if you don't, well, <laughs> we'll check in with you later on. Oh my God! Well, the dates that they're speculating, like now, I, 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 that I've read, are you know, if they don't go with an open date, which is November twelfth through fifteenth, would be October like fifth through twelfth, and yeah. I think that's the Houston Open date. Now, of course, they got no field last year, but they, you know, mm-hmm. stepped up to save the tournament. And now sure. they're going to just like, you know, hey, uh, you know, we're going to go that week too. But I mean, who, who knows? You know, that tournament didn't get a field. So so maybe it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And they just go two events in the same week. But sure. they wouldn't run a tournament the same week as the Masters. Then that would be a total disaster for everything. And and, and if they, had, they decided to postpone it or cancel it or move it or whatever, they're in the same boat as literally the next – you know, six or eight tournaments now. I mean, yeah, that's true. Are, 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 is the, you know, is the, is the Valspar going to have a lot of sympathy for what happens in Houston? I mean, <laughs> no, they, they had, they had the best field that they were ever going to have in their history. And they had a, a, a perfect weather forecast. And you have these amazing pictures of the golf course looking as it's good, as good as it's ever looked. And they're all, you know, standing there with no event. So yeah. I, I think this, this is a year where everybody's taking it on the chin to some degree. And I think, you know, weirdly, uh, we, we we joke about the PGA of America sometimes, and they actually have more control over some of these things than other places do because they own some of their own venues. And if the PGA decided to move it or postpone it or whatever, they have courses they own, and they could put they could put it in uh, at Valhalla later on in the year if they needed to. I mean that that's they have, they always have that in their pocket. Um, you know, unlike say a U.S. Open, where it's more complicated to move it from Wingfoot. To, to some other place. Now they, they could certainly make a deal and find some other place to get set up to have it open. But um, it's a, uh, it's a different thing when you're like Augusta national or when you're like the PJ where you own a venue and you can, and you can make some decisions. And I also think it's a different thing when you're a major um, as the tour does not want to be reminded, they don't control any of the majors. So these other groups, I think they want to work within the framework of a professional golf, but Ultimately, I think they're going to have to make some decisions for themselves. And that's why it's encouraging, I think, that they're all getting together now to try to figure out exactly what this is going to be. Um, I, I think there's not as, you know, there's, there's, a, there's certainly a chance that we go further and deeper into this problem with the virus than we expect. And everybody just says, you know what, we're going to take it on the chin in 2020 and just move on and try again next year. I, I mean, that, that's certainly a possibility. Believe me, I don't, I hope that's not the case. I mean, my kids like to eat and, and I like to stay busy and I like to have, you know, lots of projects going and that's much harder if the entire sport is shut down. But um, there's a lot of smart people in this game and I hope that they get together and build a, 
summer and fall and early winter schedule that, you know, makes us all, you know, at least a little bit forget about what a terrible time this has been. The last Boy, if, they, if, they, if they do that and they, they got together and did that and, and built a, a, a schedule like that and put all these big tournaments and great fields together at the uh, end of the year, you know, right when golf came back, it would be a, a big boost for golf, but it would certainly spoil us to actually see some tournaments, especially, you know, in close proximity to one another that, that you know, had a, a situation where we had all the best, best players playing. I mean, it it seems like, you know, as, you know, best people are guessing right now, the NBA is talking about the uh, middle of June, the uh, Major League Baseball, I've, I've heard the uh, players director mentioned uh, to someone, my, 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 a friend of mine's a baseball agent, so he, he said they're talking about 81-game schedule uh, starting July 1st. I mean, that you know, that's obviously all that could change. But it seems like middle of June to, you know, July 1st is what people are thinking right now you know, is is when something could happen. I don't hear, I haven't heard anybody talk about earlier than that. And so that would mean that the, you know, open championship would be all right. Uh, the Masters, we know they'll do something in the in the fall. We certainly assume they would. The PJs already kind of, and Seth Law has talked about how they, they've uh, talked to the PJ Tour and they're looking at a, a late summer date. So that would be either before the, uh, playoff start or right after the playoffs and then you've got an open open date that I think is like uh what did I say September like third through sixth and that uh, that leaves the Olympics and the US open. So I want to get your your thoughts on uh those two two subjects when we come back. We'll take another break here from our sponsors including Voodoo Pain Relief Cream. If you've got aches and pains, arthritis pain, back pain, shoulder pain, hips, knees like me. Uh, give uh, Voodoo Pain Relief Cream a try. Go to the website, check it out, read the testimonials, and you can get a free two-week supply at voodoopainrelief.com right now. So check it out. We'll be right back with Matt Rudy from Golf Digest. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. 
I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Matt, you, you need some you, you need some voodoo pain relief cream. You're going for the ankle surgery. What are, what are you getting done there, bud? You know, it's it's funny because the this quest to get in better shape uh, uh, is drastically improved my racket sports. Uh, not not so much my racket skills, but my ability to get around the court. And I'm faster and more agile than I've been since I was probably 20. Which is granted, it's I not. It's it. not. I can't wait I'm to get not, you on the pickleball not, court. I love it. <laughs> Granted, I'm not at the, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the most uh, agile person you'll ever see, but um, for a person my size, I move around pretty good, but it's, but it's banged around my ankle pretty good. And I have a, a lesion on the top of the bone in my ankle where the, the top of the, the top level of the bone is died off a little bit. So they're going to go in with a scope and clean out the joint and do microfracture surgery on the bone poke little holes in it with these needles and then the when it the bone uh bleeds or whatever responds to those little pokes it hopefully starts to grow back the way it should so i'll be uh, i guess if you're going to be stuck in your house for the next four or six weeks you might as well take you know two weeks of those to not be on your feet and then start rehabbing a injury so the time so, so okay. is out of action for uh what uh, in and non weight bearing for two weeks and then yeah, yeah. non non weight bearing for two weeks and then uh, after that I can start moving around and then I can be playing golf by June one so right. I'll miss the first part of tennis season but I'll be ready to to whip up on you on the the pickleball court uh, as soon as uh, early June. All right. All right. I'll send you some voodoo pain relief cream too for the uh, the foot <laughs> after surgery once this, uh, your scars heal. Uh, okay, um, let's let's talk a little uh, Olympics and U.S. Open. What well, U.S. Open's first on the schedule, uh, June eighteenth through twenty first. What do you think the? I mean, in New York, up in your area. Well, I mean, what 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 do you think the odds are of that happening? Where, where, well, what, I mean, I've heard where they could possibly. I hear where the PGA could go with their date, where the Masters could go with their date. Uh, you know, I hear that, you know, people kind of think the open championship is, you know, got a good chance because it's, it's the, uh, middle of July, Ryder cup, uh, September, you know, I mean, you bring up a good point. They don't, you know, they're not going to have a way to necessarily a clean qualification for it. So maybe they just change it. But, you know, the dates seem, you know, at least from what people are speculating, you know, could be okay, should be okay. Uh, if if this uh, you know virus passes and you know a lot a lot of the news with with these drugs they're they're going to try now and that that people have been using in uh, you know France and different you know countries and China and everywhere else they're having some success with it but what does the U.S. Open do? Well, I think there are two pieces to it. And the first piece is um, Wingfoot is just a, literally five miles, I think, from. New Rochelle, which is the epicenter of a big hotspot of the virus in the U.S. And if that continues to be the case, I don't think there's any way they're going to have any kind of event near where, the, you know, the National Guard is in New Rochelle trying to, you know, calm things down. So that that's a big wild card for me, just as just as the PGA would have been having it in California where all this, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think the other piece to it is um, there needs to be some calming down of the travel restrictions that are currently in place, not just in the U.S., but all the other countries in the world, because, you know, obviously golf is a worldwide sport. Yeah. And if the players can't get to any of these events and, you know, and do it, you know, and, and come compete, then that's a practical problem you're going to have wherever you have. So I think the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be some loosening of the travel restrictions. And if we start to see that, I think you can start to feel like the, the, um, the tournaments have a chance, 
of coming back. But but for the U.S. Open, uh, I think it's it's I think it's unlikely that it's going to be in around New York. Uh, I, there are certainly some other venues. One of my first one of my favorite anecdotes I've been a part of in my 21 years of golf digest, I did a, a, a photo shoot with Ernie Els and he said his favorite, you know, the, the, that Carnoustie was his favorite course in the UK. And the the reason it was his favorite is because on they could decide to have the British open on Monday and Carnoustie is the one place in the UK where they could show up on Thursday, set the tee boxes, you know, put some cups in the, in the green and have the open championship and the course would defend itself just fine. And I think there are some places in the U.S., Oakmont, for example, that they could do that. Um, you know, where that falls on the schedule is a whole other ball of wax, but um, I think they have some options to move it if they can do that, and, and assuming they can come up with some system for getting a field. You know, that, that's uh, that's more complicated. I think one of the, the, the hallmarks of the U.S. Open is that you know, it takes on all comers, and if you yeah, they, canceled, that, they canceled all that, that's one thing yeah. they have canceled. Yeah. Right. So, so if, so if the U S open takes on all comers, then this one is basically the men just going to be an adaptation of the world ranking somehow. And it becomes a PGA tour event, you know, and, and that, that takes some of the shine. I mean, it's not my favorite event anyway, just for other reasons, you know, the way they set it up, but, but that takes some of the specialness away from it in my mind. And the Olympics are a whole other story. Uh, when you add in going to Asia and having the super stringent drug testing that goes with being in the Olympic protocol, I can't believe they haven't canceled that already. To be honest, you know that's that. that's a whole other that's a whole other thing, and and uh, I don't know of many players, and certainly there are some, but I don't know of of many players that are are sitting right now in their isolation in their their basement man cave, going, you know, if I don't get a chance to play in the Olympics this summer, I'm really going to be upset. Um, I think that's even if they have it. Why do why do you think know. that? Why do you think that is? The guys who played last time, they they enjoyed it, they liked it. I mean, of course, Justin Rose loved it. Sure. Uh, you know, Matt Ricky Fowler. Kuchar, Ricky yeah. Fowler got a tattoo. Yeah, Matt Kucher Kucher carries around his uh, you know mm-hmm. his bronze medal and in his backpack or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, the guys literally really enjoyed it. Everybody thought they were going to be pumped up. Uh, for mm-hmm. for this one and before this virus thing even started, I mean DJ Dustin Johnson and and Kepka both. I mean, did they both say no? You know, uh, we don't we don't care or we're not going or you know something sort of like that. I th- I think that that professional golf breeds individualism, and the players are the best have have been bred into very thoroughbred um, individuals who are responsible for themselves. And I think it's it fundamentally is why the U.S. has struggled in Ryder Cup, in that if you can't connect to the team component, I mean, there's some players that can. I mean, don't get me wrong, but but um, I think part of it is, you know, you're you're such a freelancer, you're such an independent contractor, you're such a one-person show as a tour player that the things that fire up, fire you up are different than if you're a, an athlete in a different sport. And if you're not inclined to be that way, to be the, you know, and, and, it's, and, and I'm not trying to, to criticize anybody's patriotism. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it more has to do with the, the changes in preparation and the changes in emphasis. And, um, you know, the, the, the format is different. Everything about it is it, it's it's like the Ryder Cup, you know, it's it's a one-off, and there are some players that don't enjoy one-offs, and and I think that's okay. I think I think it's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to have a different focus, and it's okay to say, you know what, this particular thing is not as important to me. I don't I don't think it's it's any different than the players 30 years ago who said it's a hassle to go to the Open Championship, and I'm going to focus my attention. I mean, I'll go play. But I'm going to focus my preparation and my attention on events that suit me. Do you, do you think that you think it has anything to do with the fact that they don't get paid and that they have to, you know, already the top players play once a year, either the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup? I understand they're representing their country. I know how people think, you know, that should be the, the greatest thing that you could ever do. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure it, it would be an incredible feeling to do it. 
but a lot of times the uh, you know professional players that play in the olympics you know they, a lot of times they don't go and that's once every four years now the professional golfers are asked to do something every year you know that the silly president's mm-hmm. cup and then then the Ryder cup and now you know another week all the way over to japan uh, for free I mean, do you think that has anything to do with it? I think it could, but there's a cav- there's a caveat to that because depending on the kind of contract you have, maybe you get paid if you prefer- if you perform well in the Olympics, it could translate into dollars for you, not so much prize money, but endorsement dollars. It could it could translate into exposure and other kinds of cash. And do I you think-, think they've got gold medal clauses in some of their contracts? Oh, sure. Right? I think I think if I think if if you if if you win the gold medal and it gets a lot of attention, that's worth it. You know, there there are players where that's that's worth it, and that's you know that's written into the things that they do, and um, and I think that's why players have managers and agents and you know management teams and people to to discuss those kinds of things, uh, so that they can get those interests aligned with the interests of the player. Uh, I, I think there are players that love traveling around and, and going to play different courses and seeing different parts of the world. And I think there's other players that don't, whether you're an American or a European, you know, I'm not, this is not a, an indictment of any particular a player from any particular place, but there are, there are players that like home cooking and ones that don't. So I think the venue matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, if I were, it's easy for me to say, because I'm not a professional athlete and I would never be able to play in the Olympics. I wish, but but I I can't think of anything that would be uh, cooler than to experience that one time. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying I would want to go do it every four years, but to to you know if I were a you know if I were Victor Hovland, a young guy, and you know relatively unencumbered, I don't have little kids at home, and you know, all those other things you have to take into consideration. How could you not? want to go experience walking in the opening of the Olympics and staying in the athlete village and, and, and being a part of all that and seeing all these great athletes do their thing. I mean, that, that would be an amazing experience that, you know, it's a, that's a different conversation. If you're Dustin Johnson, and you have little kids and you've, you know, you've achieved a lot of stuff in your career and you're secure in what your achievements are. That's a whole different conversation, but um, the, the experience of it, and to and to see it, you know, to see everything else that was happening there, beyond what you were doing in your competition, I, that would be something I'd want to see for sure. But but it's not me paying the bills. It's not me making those decisions. <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, I mean, we'll 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 see. I mean, I, it it seems to me like the Olympics is the easiest one to. Because uh, they don't even have to postpone it. They just, ha- I mean, cancel. They just have to postpone it. I mean, it, it happens every four years. So I don't know. Why. They just move it back a year. I mean, I'm sure that sounds easier than it is, but it's it's better than the alternative. If there's, you know, not going to be fans there or whatever, I don't see how that mm-hmm. possibly. Well, I don't understand this whole sports without fans things. Golf tournaments without fans. Uh, you well, know, they were talking TV. about the NCAA <laughs> without fans, the players championship were teed off. And then the second day they weren't going to have fans. And I mean, how, how do you, how do you have sporting events without fans? How, how does that work? What's so weird is uh, I spent the first four years of my career working for sports illustrated and I covered college basketball in the, in the winter and then switched over to golf when golf season started. And the, the visuals of, college basketball are one thing, but the sound is something else. And when you go and watch a game and there aren't any people in the, in the arena, it's strange. You know, the, it viscerally is a different experience. And um, I don't know that it would be super different for somebody who's a hundredth in the world, for example, on the PGA tour playing in front of no gallery, because they probably experienced that a decent amount, <laughs> Good point. but, but it would be way different to be Tiger Woods and playing in a real event playing at the masters for example with no people because i think a part of the adrenaline you get and the reaction you get and the momentum that you get playing on sunday is surfing off of the energy from the crowd and and hearing their reactions and i think it would be strange it would be strange if that's missing um and uh i i I think it's a it's a worst case scenario to do it would i rather would i rather watch a master's with no crowd and have a master's exist or just have them not bother to do it. I'd rather have them do it with no crowd just so there could be something to see for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but the, 
there also isn't any doubt that TV and um, you know get, you know getting the the product out worldwide is a, is a huge deal, kind of beyond the the gate receipts. You know the the you know a tournament can get X number of people in the door and make some money from people showing up to watch it, but I mean, using the Super Bowl as an example, if they played the Super Bowl in a hermetically sealed environment with no people, the advertising and the TV and all that stuff just massively dwarfs the anything that they make from the gate. So, you know, that that event is more important than the people sitting you know, next to the field to watch it. Uh, but it, but you know, that's different. You know, golf is kind of different in that part of the value proposition for the fan is that conceptually or, you know, the, or, or there's the potential for you to be able to go to the, to the tournament that we have here in Hartford or go, you know, go to, go to one of the events at one of these you know, medium sized markets and go position yourself in the right place. I mean, I, I can remember walking with you a whole bunch of those rounds at Augusta or where, you know, at Carnoustie or wherever, you know, wherever we walked around right. and, and, and you know where Tiger's going to hit those tee shots and we walk to the right place and stand there. And the ball comes in and, you know, you're looking at a 10 year old kid standing next to you who happens to be in the right place at the right time. And the best player in the world comes walking up and hits the ball right by where he is or where she is. And, you know, that's a value proposition that golf has that other sports don't have. You don't go watch the, the, you know, NFC championship game and, and um, with the expectation that your ticket a hundred rows back is going to give you this visceral <laughs> right up close interaction with a player that's a, that's just not the way it works right yeah yeah that's good good stuff matt always always good to have you on but, but i always love your perspective and uh like to hear your opinions people can uh find you on twitter at rudy Ryder, and then of course mm-hmm. on golf digest and GolfDigest.com. and uh you're the best but uh, our new book is out that matt and i wrote to- together uh, you can get it on amazon.com how to play your how to play better golf today? Lessons of a lifetime. Yeah, it's all, everybody. If you're going to be shut in, you might as well buy some buy yeah. some in, interesting to read. So. Yeah, help you out when, when you when you get out there to to, to play this year, and uh, hopefully it's going to be sooner rather than later, both with the the weather and of course with the the big virus. But Matt, uh, good stuff, bud. Uh, be safe and uh, good luck on your surgery there. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Oh, Matt's great. I love his perspective. Always got good things to say. All right, remember the call-in number uh, for the podcast, the Hank Any Podcast, 833-426-5763, extension 801. You can follow me on Twitter, at Hank Haney. You can follow Matt Rudy on Twitter, at Rudy Writer. And you can email your questions to hankhaneygolf at outlook.com, and Minnesota Tim will field all those questions. And if you got something great to say, uh, we'd love to love to hear the questions or comments. Uh, please send them to us. Most importantly, hit the follow button on the iHeartRadio app or your Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, so the Hank Any Podcast will uh, show up for you every day. Uh, thanks for listening, and I hope everybody has a great day. Hang in there and, and be safe. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow on the Hank Any Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney Podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at hankhaneygolf at outlook.com. And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter. Kaney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 